Hi, Scott. Uh, do I smell cookies? Yeah, our moms are here. They're making cookies. Our moms? Yeah, Lou said we're talking mommies this week. Whoa, whoa, the- whoa, whoa, whoa. Mummies. It's mummies. Put your glasses on. We're talking three mummy variants for your game this week on the Dungeon Master Dojo mini episode. At least we got cookies. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page and click the support button. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. Is is that frankincense I smell? And myrrh. And snickerdoodles. Quite a combination. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who made the cookies? Mom. The mums. The mums. The mummies. The mummies. The mummies made them. Oh, so you got my memo, but you read it wrong. I'm yeah, assuming he, again. Yeah, again. again he, he messed yeah. it up. You're fired. Fox too slow. <laughs> again? I'll give you another chance. Don't worry. We're talking mummies. That's Not it. just mummies, but mummy variants. Let's add a twist. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Egyptian mummies are cool, but, right? That's not the only kind of mummies, right? Oh, there's more. Well, let's hear about them. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take it away. All right, so the mummy can be found on pages 227 to 229 in the 5th edition Monster Manual, with the exception of the Mummy Lord. Uh, We don't really get any variety in those creatures. But that wasn't always the case, so presented herein for your gaming pleasure are three variations of the mummy that you can use for your game. Uh, Use the mummy that you find in the Monster's Manual as a template. For these new variants of a mummy, we make the following modifications that are outlined. So... Let's get right into it. Let's talk preparation. How do you make a mummy, right? You won't find that on Martha Stewart's show. No, no, no. <laughs> preparation of those Egyptian-style mummies that we're all familiar with are pretty similar from mummy to mummy. First, the brain is removed through the nose. They just reach up there and scramble up the brain and begin to pull it out the nostrils. Once that's done, the skull is rinsed with palm wine. The body is then dehydrated and the skin is rubbed with frankincense and myrrh. All the internal organs are removed with the exception of the heart. The chest and abdominal cavity are stuffed with bags of herbs and incense. The internal organs that have been removed are placed in what is called a canopic jar. These have no magical properties at all, so they don't function like a lich's phylactery. The body is then wrapped, and these wrappings, they'll have spells inscribed on them, much like a scroll does. Mm-hmm. An individual may have no say at all about whether or not they're turned into a, a undead mummy. The reason for the curses can vary. Perhaps the individual in life offended a powerful priest, king, or even a god. 
Whatever the reason, their curse dooms them to an eternity of undead and servitude. They'll often be used as guards for tombs, special places, and sometimes can be a repository of information uh, for some, but not all mummies can speak. I'd like to talk to a mummy, I think, you know, and, and have the mummy talk back. Talk back, yeah. <laughs> I, I think a mummy, a mummy that is used as a repository of information could be a pretty cool addition to a, uh, a campaign or, or a dungeon. Um, granted, that's if your uh, players give it an opportunity to speak. I was about to say that would never work for our group. No, no, they don't talk our, to our, anything. They, they, they just say, hey, that looks like a monster. Let's kill it. Yeah. That, that doesn't look like a monster. Let's kill it. Yeah, let's just kill it. Yeah. Oh, that's a cart. Let's kill it. Yeah. Damn murder hobos. Right. <laughs> says the king Nothing of murder worse, hobos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, did we talked about this on one of our other episodes. We, and we blame the GM, remember? We blame the GM, yes. <laughs> In we, some yeah. instances, yes. In other instances, it's just... The murder hobo. <laughs> yeah. So one of these vari- variations is the bog mummy. I kind of like the bog mummy. Bog, I just like the sound of bog yeah, mummy. I, I like it too. Yeah. The, uh, the bog mummy is irredeemably evil. It's a terrible creature created through wicked means. So this bog mummy appears as a leathery corpse clad in tattered rags. So peat bogs are mildly acidic, and it is this mild acidity that causes the skin of the bog mummy to be tanned and become almost leather-like. It's, it's that mild acidity that mummifies the body. Should anyone stick around long enough to have a good look at it, they will note that there appears to be the remains of the thongs that bound the creature's hands and neck in life. The thong around the neck was used to strangle the unfortunate individual. Yeah, the bog mummy may use weapons and may have magical items on its person. Uh, any weapons that it uses cause additional one uh, additional plus three damage. This is due to the creature's immense strength. The bog mummy can wield any weapon that it did in life, but the preferred method of killing is to use a garrote and strangle its victims much the same way that it itself was strangled in its own life. This also affords the additional benefit of not attracting unwanted attention. Uh, The Dragon Magazine number 238 gives the following rules for strangulation. Death by strangulation takes two rounds. To escape the garrote, the victim or his rescuer must make a successful Benbar liftgate roll in either of the two rounds. How does this translate to 5th edition? Uh, One can use opposing strength checks, or perhaps the best method is to use the grappling rules. That uh, Ben Barr's lift gates, I haven't... (laughs) I haven't heard of that the in a BBLG. long time. BBLG. Yep. That, uh, that is old, old D and D. I think the uh, I think the, the 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 grappling rules is probably your best choice yeah, for yeah. this if you want to translate that. Uh, the bog mummy has no eyes. I don't know. Maybe the fish or whatever that lived in the bog uh, ate it, or the bugs. <laughs> Uh, it is, however, capable of sensing intelligent life, and many individuals believe that this can be done as far as a mile away. As stated before, the creature is irredeemably evil. It hates all living beings, but hates none more than priests, particularly druids. You see, the bog mummy is created by druids. They are the product of a ritual killing. The victim, while still living, is strangled. It is said that this is done to avoid spilling blood and causing offense to the gods. The body is cast into the bog while still alive, slowly suffocating 
as the leather thong cuts off its breath. The exact nature of this ritual killing is not known. Perhaps the victim was a criminal or an individual captured in a raid, an enemy of some sort. Who who knows? I think that, I don't know, stabbing someone's probably far less offensive than tying a leather cord around their neck and then pitching them into the... Uh, into a bog to see if they drown or suffocate from from the thong, uh, which happens first. I, I, I would think that's more offensive. This is kind of based on some real-life research that's yeah. been done, and they believe that the thong was wrapped around their throat with a sliding knot and then run down their back and then tied to their hands, which was tied behind their back. So the more they thrashed, they actually strangled themselves. Yeah, still a dick move. Oh yeah, huge, yeah. huge. But that you know, I could see why you'd like crawl back out of the bog all pissed off. Yeah, I I read a little bit about these. You, you made me strangle myself. You you dicks. <laughs> yeah, the, these mummies that were were unearthed not not too long ago from like that that were in peat bogs. Peat bogs, yeah, were, yeah. Sacrificed by those by those druids. Everybody thinks they're so nice. You know, they're hanging out in their robes, you know, picking flowers, running around barefoot, walking around with a big staff or whatever. Smoking some herbs, you know, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, feeding squirrels. No, not no. all druids are like that. They're no. they're tying people up and throwing them into bogs and turning them into mummies. Hey, but it's for the greater good. Man. Man. <laughs> all right, not all sacrifices in the peat bogs create a bog mummy. Uh, per, perhaps it's the will of the individual sacrificed. Maybe it's some natural magical properties of the bog itself, or maybe it's a result of extreme negative energy from such a terrible killing that creates the bog mummy. Whatever the reason, as life leaves the body of the victim, undeath slowly creeps in. Once the transformation is complete, the creature lies in the bog waiting for the day when he could be freed, where it can exact its revenge on all sentient beings. Uh, Once freed from its prison, the bog mummy will set about hunting intelligent prey. It does so with no intelligence of its own, but rather some sort of instinctive cunning, perhaps brought about as a result of the malice it feels for sentient beings. The bog mummy is known for its great stealth. It is perhaps the quintessential ambush predator, quiet and terribly de- deadly. The body of the creature is pliable, almost like rubber. And as a result, it suffers no damage from blunt objects and only half damage from thrusting and edged weapons. It suffers no adverse effect from water and will often lurk in murky pools or shallow streams waiting for the unwary to happen by. It makes no noise even when walking. It is quiet as death itself. Due to the high water content that the mummy has in its body, it suffers no damage from normal fire and only half from magical fire. Cold does not have an adverse effect on it, but cold-based magic may immobilize the creature, freezing the water in its body. The creature has the following abilities. Anyone seeing the mummy must save versus spells or be affected as by the fear effect of a normal mummy. That's an old one. That's an old one. For the purposes of 5th edition, use the mummy's dreadful glare ability as outlined in the monster manual. I think that's probably your best best choice on that one. Mm-hmm. A single blow from the fist of a bog mummy causes 1d10 hit points of damage. If both hands strike, the mummy has grappled its opponent and causes an additional 2d8 hit points of damage for each round the victim remains in its grasp. For the purposes of 5th edition, we suggest using the grappling rules. Uh, The opponent must also save versus poison or be suffocated to death in 1d4 rounds. 
For the purposes of 5th edition, we suggest that the victim must succeed in a DC-12 Constitution saving throw or be suffocated to death in 1d4 rounds. Death saves should apply. Absolutely. For some reason, when you guys were talking about this, all I could think about was Swamp Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the body movie, yeah. Yeah, has yeah. A, a very Swamp Thing-ish. Yep. That's all I could think about for when you guys were describing this. Yeah, like it's probably got moss and some other crap growing on it. You know, it smells all funky from being in the bog. and Lamprey and a couple leeches, you know, yeah. just hanging on there for no just particular dangling. reason. Just dry <laughs> as a bone because there's nothing to suck out of them. <laughs> a jerky Except water. Le- a jerky Except- leech. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on now. <laughs> yeah, we're moving from the bog to the frozen tundra from the mountains, the lands of the Yeti and the abominable snowman. We're talking about ice mummies. Urgh. Ice mummies are the remains of travelers lost in cold climates atop towering mountains or even inhospitable tundra. They have been freeze-dried and preserved. These individuals died alone with no one to come to their rescue. It is this unspeakable fear, this hatred for those who never found and rescued them, and perhaps maybe some supernatural energy or entity that animates these corpses. They, like the bog mummies, hate the living and will take every opportunity they can to to kill any living humanoid they come in contact with. But unlike the bog mummies, the ice mummy is intelligent. An ice mummy will have leathery skin that is drawn tight over its bones. They will look gaunt and emaciated. The hair and clothing will be intact, but will show signs of being centuries old. Any weapons or equipment carried with them will appear ancient. Their eyes are sunk deep within their head and are opaque in color. No pupils or iris are easily definable. Their mouth is forever agape and a silent scream. These creatures are bound to walk the lands that killed them, forever traversing the inhospitable lands that took their life. The ice mummy is cunning and will lead travelers into false trails, into blizzards or atop fragile ice or snow bridges. Sometimes the creature will appear to be a lone traveler. Adventurers may even see the creature stumble and fall. They may come to its aid, inadvertently falling into an ambush. Most ice mummies can function as a level 9 wizard, except that they can only employ spells of 3rd level or lower. They can never use spells that involve fire as a weapon. The creature can strike with his bare hands for 1d12 points of damage, and will also cause damage as a staff of withering. Three times a day, an ice mummy can use a breath weapon not unlike that of a dragon's, a blast of cold that inflicts 46 points of damage to all within its area of effect. Now, this area of effect is a 20-foot-long cone that is 10-foot wide at its base. The mummy also exudes cold. It radiates a numbing aura of chill, and any creature that comes within 25 feet of the mummy has a numbing effect, causing 1d3 hit points of damage per round from a severe case of frostbite. Any non-magical weapons used against the creature must make a saving throw or be shattered. For 5th Ed conversion, assign hit points to the weapon as outlined in the Dungeon Master's Guide under Object Hit Points. Have the weapon take 1d3 hit points of damage or half or some other number you assign. When it is out of hit points, it shatters. Finally, an ice mummy causes fear as does a standard mummy. An ice mummy will only resort to melee attacks if it has no other choice. Any weapon used by an ice mummy comes with a plus 1 bonus to hit and damage due to its incredible strength. It is not unheard for an ice mummy to use missile weapons, particularly a wicked barbed arrow, which causes 
to have points of damage for each round that they remain in their victim. This additional damage is caused by the supernatural cold that the arrow imbued with. Removal of the arrow by anyone who is not successful with a healing proficiency check inflicts an additional 1d6 points of damage on the victim. Dispel magic, limited wish, or a wish spell negates these chill effects completely. I like the ice mummy. Yeah, the ice mummy's he's the ice badass. Mummy's pretty, pretty sick. He's badass. I can see him kind of tracking a party, you know, like walk traversing a mountain or whatever have you. Maybe not so much calling for help, but trying to get the help of 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 the party, lure them into some some area. Um, I, as I'm reading this, it, the Game of Thrones comes to mind with the Ice King. Yeah. Yep. You know, very, very, very much like that. I don't see him as a mummy, but I can see the, the a very close correlation there. I think the 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 ice mummy too could really do a number on your melee fighters. I mean, you run run the risk of losing some equipment, yeah, some weapons, and potentially you know some of your frontline melee fighters as well. <laughs> yeah, you will mess them up. How about a clay mummy? These are interesting. These are interesting. Clay mummies are created in the same way that your standard mummy from the Monster Manual is created, but the preparation is a little bit different. Historically, clay mummies predate even the wrapped mummies of Egypt by many, many years. To prepare a body to become a clay mummy, the skin is removed. Very carefully, I might add. (laughs) It is removed very carefully because it's going to go back on the body when it's completely prepared, so you don't want to tear anything. No, no, got to be got to be careful. Any and all internal organs, fat and muscle are removed and discarded. The skeleton is then cleaned and reassembled. Reassembly of the skeleton is done by using supports. These are most often wooden supports, small sticks that are tied to the bones to hold them together. Once the skeleton is put back together and appropriately reinforced, the skin can be reapplied. Prior to the skin being reapplied, clay and veg- vegetable matter are wrapped around the bones to replace the muscle and other tissues that were removed. In many cases, a clay mummy will also be packed in clay or will be wearing a clay face mask. Stat-wise, clay mummies should be the same or similar to the standard mummy found in the Monsters Manual. However, they will not have the same fire vulnerability that mummies do. Instead, they'll have a vulnerability to bludgeoning. A clay mummy will take normal damage from bludgeoning weapons. Not as fearsome-sounding. Um, no, no, just different. Uh, I think people would expect to see a mummy. There's going to be still probably some wrappings on it. So they're going to expect a standard mummy, but the, 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 the same vulnerabilities aren't there. They're going to be making attacks on it, expecting one thing and it's not happening. I think the key to, uh, defeating a clay mummy is with like a super soaker. You want to wet that clay. (laughs) So it all kind of runs down, you know, and it, it, it kind of gets gelatinous and falls apart. So how would you use these in a campaign? Any of these? Any of these? I I would do, like, for example, a bog mummy. I would have a, I, I would probably do like a Halloween one shot with a bog mummy and have the PCs kind of, Staying over in a town overnight that's on uh, either in the middle of a swamp or bordering a swamp, and maybe in the tavern they would uh, they would hear stories about 
you know, children disappearing into the swamp and, you know, some, some strange creature that they've seen, you know, kind of slogging through the swamp, maybe even have whoever the, I don't know, whoever's in charge of the town, be it a, a mayor or the town manager or whatever, or the burgermeister, uh, offer them some payment to uh, find out what's killing the, you know, these children are abducting them. And then have the bog mummy hunt the party while the party is hunting whatever it is that's, you know, kind of doing the kidnappings. or the what I, I would you. do it similar, but I would take it out of the bog, out of the marsh. Uh, all bogs and marsh are fed by streams. Have it follow a stream and end up in a small pond just outside of a, 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 a cottage or a village or a small town. And same thing, but you know, just randomly, it's it's a farmer this day, it's a woman this day, it's a child this day, it's you know, so, someone's missing three goats. Um, just have living things repeatedly disappear, and when they think they've got it cornered, it, it ducks in behind the the grist mill or something like that, and then there's no sign of it. It just slips into the water. Yeah, I can I can see kind of like uh uh the end of the movie Hall uh, not Halloween um. Um, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, you know, where Jason Voorhees comes out of the pond and yep. yanks or pulls, the, Lake. pulls the, the chick off the boat. Yep. Um, I could see that going on with, like, fishermen and, you know, a couple, a young couple out for a nice little boat ride on there and just being yanked in. You know, maybe the party catches it out of the corner of their eye or something while they're they're out, out in the daylight and go, did you see that? Not really too sure what they saw. Yeah, there's, but you can have a, a lot of fun with that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep it in the marsh or the bog because no one goes to the marsh or the bog. But a mile away, there's a small village, and there's a lot of things to kill in a the village. There's not a lot of things to kill in the in you know sentient things in the bog. So move it out of the bog. Yeah, and keep, I, it, keep it near water. I would use a clay mummy in like a haunted ceramics shop. <laughs> there you go. Blend them in with the mannequins. Yeah, you know, like the final the final showdown involved the kiln. You know, the, the PCs grappling it to get it into the kiln to shut the door and glaze it. Yeah, yeah, it turns into a giant oversized ugly ashtray. <laughs> I said, so now see, I I gravitate towards the ice mummy. The ice mummy's cool. You know, because of the the intelligence, the the constantly setting traps for them. I, I would have, they would be chasing this thing forever. They would be chasing this thing forever. Just that barbed, like, icy arrow shooting out of, like, a uh, a blizzard or a whiteout and, and nailing one of the PCs yeah, you're, you're or being, an NPC. You're being pelted by ice yeah. already. It's from this wicked storm. And all of a sudden, ow, that one really particularly hurt. Oh, that one really, really, really hurt. You know, meanwhile, it's like, oh, stop being such a, you know, candy ass because, you know, we're all getting hit with this ice. Meanwhile, this person's on the ground twitching. You're just finding, you know, a, a trail of blood in the in the white snow, you know, that leads somewhere. And then you find either a party member or one of the NPC hirelings all kind of torn up. Yeah. I think there's a lot of. A lot of fun to be had. Uh, well, that, that's one of the, the, the villains that you could stretch out for a good chunk of time. Because it's intelligent, it's going to hide. It's going to. It's going to know it has spells, 
So this is the type of villain that you could stretch out for a good long scenario that's going to run multiple gaming sessions. I don't know if I would use it as kind of like the focal point of a campaign, but I would certainly use an ice mummy for a portion of travel through a cold climate as like a lengthy encounter. Maybe not like one encounter, like a band of orcs or something, but something to kind of wreak a little bit of havoc on the characters as they're traveling. So they may encounter several other other hostile creatures or have some role-play encounters, but throughout that whole time they're traveling, I would have that ice mummy kind of kind of mess with them. Carry them and yeah, take and, out, and eventually becomes the big bad and yeah, yeah, take out a couple red red shirts, you know, NPCs that don't have a last name. There you go, and uh, maybe Bob, even Bob, Ted, and Harold. Yeah, maybe even a PC or two, or at least cause some some damage. And that's this week's mini episode on mummy variants. Look for more DM quick tips, our new segment, a monster in minutes, and the all new mini episodes for this month. Halloween is in October, and that means all our Dungeon Masters Dojo content in October is Halloween-themed. See you next time in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at thedungeonmastersdojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.